Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Unions unite for a fair contract at United. Creating jobs for mechanical insulators, a bill finally introduced in Congress. And today on the show, we check in with IBEW Local 1316 in Macon, Georgia. And we go to San Diego and find out what's going at Smart Local 206. Welcome to the Wednesday, December 14th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have two new guests on the show today. Stacy Mixon is going to start things off, and he comes to us from the Electrical Workers based in Macon, Georgia. That would be uh, IBEW Local 1316, IBEW1316.com is their website. This is a local that uh, recently celebrated 80 years they were chartered in macon georgia on april 9th 1942 when we were in world war ii the charter was granted to members and this is right from the website working inside outside utilities government telephone sound and public address local 1316 came to life in macon energize by the rise of the largest city in central Georgia. And uh, what helped the growth was the Robbins Air Force Base, Camp Wheeler, host of cotton mills, paper mills, power plants, and other industrial factories, along with a uh, pretty good commercial market, which uh, helped increase the membership at the local. And I'll tell you, they're doing a pretty good job in the last three years. Stacy reports a 50% growth in membership from 225 to 342. As a result, they hired a full-time organizer, and they want to make sure that keeps going in the right direction. And that organizer is on staff to focus on targeted and strategic outreach and membership development. And uh, they're making it happen. In fact, their goal is to uh, get to about uh, 500 members. We'll take a look at the landscape there. Now, this is pretty much uh, the middle Georgia area. A lot of rural parts. It's a it's a pretty big area for uh, 1316. And apparently, uh, it encompasses the harbor in uh, Savannah, Georgia. And that means improvements in infrastructure. And, of course, you got the focus on electrical vehicles and opportunity for growth with the IBEW in so many different ways right now. So we'll touch on that. You know what's pretty cool about this? If you go to the home page, <laughs> right on there, it says uh, IBEW Local 1316, home of the Allman Brothers. <laughs> great band, great band going back to the 70s. For our second guest on the show today, we're going to go to San Diego, California, and check in with uh, Dave Gauthier. Now, Dave is the business manager and financial secretary for Smart Local 206 website, smart206.org. And uh, they have about 1,000 active members in that area, about 80% of them working in uh, sheet metal HVAC. 
One of the things we're going to talk about, local politics, the importance of local politics and its impact on securing work. About 10 years ago, they had some lawmakers that, well, didn't like unions. You know, you know the story there. They decided to ban project labor agreements in that area. Well, guess what? Get the right people in office and things can change. And uh, Dave is going to celebrate that moment for uh, Smart Local 206. We'll talk about uh, representation, working hard for the membership while the members are working to support their families. And they have one heck of a training system, international training system, supported by the International Training Institute, where $7.5 million invested is invested annually to provide nationwide standardized apprentice and journeyman training. You don't get that in the non-union sector. No, 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 no. That's why you have a skilled workforce, especially with Smart Local 206. So uh, Dave Gauthier will be our second guest right here on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement, serving the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. A total of 200 United Airlines pilots, together with 100 members of the machinists and the Association of Flight Attendants, which is affiliated with the CWA, all who work at United, United Airlines, held an informational picket during the airline's board of directors meeting in Houston last week. The Airline Pilots Association, which includes pilots at United, said its last contract, the last contract was negotiated 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And now... It's more than four years out of date. Also, the uh, pilots union, flight attendants and machinists and two other unions that represent workers at the airline announced a joint bargaining campaign to secure fair agreements with United. The unions released a statement saying we have each other's backs in bargaining and we will stand together until all of us have ratified contracts that reflect the world-class airline that United should be. Hats off to uh, solidarity there with the airline pilots union, again, the flight attendants union, and the machinists there. And speaking of airlines, we had a really good show on Monday with um, a representative of the Allied Pilots Association, which is considering at this time joining the Airline Pilots Association. And uh, we're talking about uh, the negotiations at American Airline. Now, they uh, they basically cover uh, just that airline. And, again, the merger talks are going on as we speak. So uh, if you missed that show, do check that out on awfpodcast.com. Legislation has finally been introduced into Congress that would ensure federal buildings utilize mechanical insulation and and – it is installed by individuals who have completed a registered apprenticeship program. That's the important part. Representative Linda Sanchez of California submitted the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act in the House last week. The bill has the potential 
to create more good union jobs for members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union. This is something we talked about extensively with Pete Almini, who handles the uh, Labor Management Trust for the Heat and Frost Insulators. So he's got to be jumping up and down. He said it was going to happen. We didn't know when, but it finally did happen. Comment here from uh, the general president of Heat and Frost Insulators, that would be Terry Larkin. Terry said this successful legislation will increase the energy efficiency of our structures coupled with increased work opportunities. Increased insulation utilization will lower the building's carbon footprint by utilizing mechanical insulation improvements and audits. So, again, I can't wait to uh, talk to Pete about this. Uh, he's got to be, well, it's introduced. Let's put it that way. He's got to be happy it's introduced. Now we got to take it to the finish line. And that's exactly what we're going to address here on America's Workforce with uh, future shows. An exhibition of true worker power, solidarity, and courage was on display recently from drivers at 10 Roads Express. This is a company based in Peoria, Illinois. Here's the story. After a swift union organizing campaign and an overwhelming union election victory with the American Postal Workers Union, the drivers, once they had a contract, went on strike less than 48 hours after their victory. Well, the strike was a worker-led protest against the retaliatory termination of one of the key organizers at the union. According to driver Anthony White, if the company feels that the driver, it's a, it's a woman, if they feel that she violated company policy, they should take her back and give her due representation. If they feel they should investigate it, fine, investigate it, as long as they do it in accordance to having a union, and we are a union right now. Things change once the union's in place, right? And uh, one more here before we break. The American Guild of Musical Artists announced that it is moving ahead with two new organizing campaigns at ballet companies based in the South. The wave of artists organizing around the country continues as the dancers of the Texas Ballet Theater in Fort Worth and Ballet Memphis have signed authorization cards to form their union with the uh, American Guild of Musical Artists. Both dancer groups sent letters to the management of their companies, the dancers at Ballet Memphis declared, we believe in the future of this company. Our unionization will foster a stronger and more cohesive workplace culture and boost the company's standing within the dance community. Meanwhile, the dancers at Texas Ballet Theater stated this decision was made after extensive discussion, research, and careful consideration about the best steps to ensure the success of the ballet and its current and future dancers. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to Macon, Georgia, and check in with IBEW Local 1316. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot 
There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment... Brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment, good employment, I might add. You could find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to Macon, Georgia right now. And joining us on line number one is Mr. Stacy Mixon. Stacy is the business manager and financial secretary of IBEW Local 1316. And if you go to their website, right on their homepage, I, I know I'm going to like talking to this guy. Because right on their homepage, IBW1316.com, you'll see in the far left corner that Macon, Georgia is the home of the Allman Brothers Band. And I'll tell you, that's one great band. And Stacy, you're telling, I guess everybody is a fan of the Allman Brothers in Macon, Georgia. Is that, is that pretty accurate then? That's an absolute fact. Okay. Like I, I used yeah, I tell you, I, I saw them, oh, my God, back in the 70s when uh, when Whippin' Post came out. And uh, I tell you, that was one heck of a great band. And they they just played and played and played. And I'll tell you, they're in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is, of course, located in Cleveland, Ohio, where we record the show at Iron Workers Local 17. Got to throw a little plug there. But anyway, I was reading on your website, and congratulations, 80 years for 1316. Chartered back in uh, April of 1942, and you are business manager number nine. So, uh, when did you take office? Let, let's start right there. Maybe you can give us a little, uh, little flavor of your background and growing up in Macon, Georgia, and how you got involved in the uh, the electrical workers. Go ahead, Stacy. Okay. So I uh, I followed the traditional route. You know, went to college for four years and uh, didn't ever graduate and was kind of wandering aimlessly and found out about the uh, electrical trade. And first I worked for non, non-union for two years and I wanted more. I wanted uh, training, I wanted education, I wanted benefits. And I found out about the IBEW and joined as a first year apprentice. I uh, topped out, got on the examining board, uh, became an instructor, um, went through NTI, graduated NTI. 
at University of Michigan, um, got on the executive board, uh, became the organizer, then became president, and became business manager. So in a way, I worked all the way up the food chain. Now, when did you become business manager? It's been about two years now. I began in December two years ago. So that was right during the pandemic then, right? Yeah, not only was it right during the pandemic, but my first son was born about a week or two later, and my uh, father had just died of cancer a few days before, and then about three months, my twin, uh, my two brothers drowned in a drowning accident. Oh, it was my. a rough, very rough start to my uh, tenure in office. That's a lot to handle, brother. Holy smoke. Um, yeah, that's... That's that's going to stay with that that year's going to stay with you until you uh, until you die. My gosh, that's that's horrible. You okay now? I'm how how's how's everything now? I think everything's okay. You know, I don't know how much of it's suppressed, but I'm um, got a job to do, a very important job to do and got a new family, so um in a lot of ways, I guess living the American dream. Yeah. Thanks wow. Well, what about the pandemic? I mean, you were in the middle of it. We're still in it, but it's much better. I mean, with the vaccines and all that, how did your, uh, how the local fare going through that? You know, I, I guess we're fortunate. Um, you know, when it first happened in April, you know, first really became a big deal. Um, everybody took about a week or two off right there. They kind of navigated uh, the stay-at-home orders. And then we went right back to business as usual. We ran a split office where people would work for two days and then the other crew would come in and, Really, our luck, we didn't miss a beat. We didn't miss hardly any man hours. It was, uh, we were very fortunate, and we didn't have any members pass away. Good, good, good. Well, what I'm reading, and it's pretty exciting news, the fact that you're growing your union, 50% growth in membership in the past three years. Now, um, I would imagine, I, I would, I mean, heard this from a lot of unions that the pandemic kind of, uh, was a catalyst for organizing. I'm just wondering if that played a role. And obviously, I mean, you're, you're out and about and maybe you could speak to that if you don't mind. Yeah, I kind of think it was, uh, you know, really gave our nation a chance to really think about what they want out of work and what they deserve out of work. And it got a lot of, uh, got a lot of hardworking Americans thinking maybe they need more out of employer. Maybe they need benefits. Maybe they need to cover themselves. Um, and I really think that that gave a chance for the non-union electricians. Um, you know, most of them know of us and they know that we have good benefits at least. So it really opened the door, it really opened the door for that. And if some of them were missing work or out of work or got laid off, we kind of swept them up too. It was pretty fortunate. What, what about your apprenticeship program? How many do you have in your apprenticeship program at this time? Uh, we run around 50. Um, we run about 10 per per year first through fifth um like to grow more but it kind of has to stay in a ratio you know it kind of yeah. has a way of working itself out naturally how are you doing as far as the age of your workers i'm, I'm hearing from a lot of unions that uh they're trying to recruit younger people because there's many that are of retirement age or you know late 50s or they're thinking about retirement um, how does, how is, uh, 1316 faring right now in that regard? Well, so I became organized about three and a half years ago. And one of the main onuses for that was our business manager did the math. And at that time, 40% of our workforce is going to retire or reach retirement age in the next nine years. So 
So, you know, it doesn't take long to extrapolate that out to see that something's going to have to be done. Um, so I think that's probably, and we're an industrial base local too. So I think that is very common for uh, uh, industrial inside electrical union to uh, have the age, the aging out. Mm-hmm. What about um, as far as embracing the new technologies and uh, and and there's so much going on with uh, with the IBEW right now with charging stations and and uh, just the technology itself that's been changing over the years. How are we faring with that? And maybe you could speak to the apprenticeship programs dealing with that. So, you know, for once, I feel like the IBW is not kind of behind the times. As a labor union, sometimes we're slow to change. And I felt like, at least locally, we fell behind uh, on the solar movement. And I think international um, as a whole and all the individual locals are really doing a good job of getting ahead of this EV charging station. And with the EGA, our Electrical Training Alliance, our apprenticeship, they're doing a really good job, and they're trying to get us all um, certified, enough manpower certified um, for the uh, Infrastructure Act. Mm-hmm. And they're really working hand-in-hand. And we already have a class going, and we've got enough people signed up for another EV charging um, station training class uh, coming up. So I think I'm excited for once that – the money's there. I mean, it's a ton of money. Infrastructure is going to be happening, and outside and inside construction is going to benefit greatly from this. And I think we're positioned pretty well, actually. Well, are you're comfortable? I mean, you you know, it sounds like you're going to need more people in the apprenticeship programs because you know, with the with the what the White House has done here in the last two years has been astronomical with legislation. I'm just wondering, are 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 we ready for that in thirteen sixteen or not? We're trying to get ready. You know, I think that we've got a good game plan. But, you know, I've, a few years ago I heard that we were going to be 40% short of manpower in the 5th District down here in the southeast. Um, so I think everybody's suffering from sending so many kids to college. Uh, but I really think the community organizers, the leadership at the Board of Education, and, of course, the building trades all know that we've got to have more manpower. And, you know, the manpower shortage is driving wages up making us even more um, positioned, you know, to hire. So I don't know if we're fully ready, but I think everybody knows what's up and we're doing the best we can. It's really going to take four to six, four to six years to get these kids redirected and uh, fill our ranks. Now, Stacy, you mentioned earlier that you went to college, and I know a lot of people, especially the counselors, push young people to go to college and are saying that's going to be the future. And then there are many that do the whole four years, maybe even longer, and they come out and they got a lot of student debt and they don't have the job that they thought they were going to have while they were going through college. I'm just wondering, what's the situation in Macon, Georgia? And uh, what do you, you know, your relationship, maybe if you can talk about uh, your relationship with some of those counselors and saying, you know what, there's probably a good opportunity to get into trades here and you don't have all that student debt and there will be a job for you down the road. Is that conversation happening? Uh, absolutely. That's a big push. And it's much easier to have this conversation in the past because everybody everybody knows what's up. And the wages are there. And student loan right now, student loans really in the headlines. I personally still have over 10 grand of student loans and I've been paying them off for over 20 years. Um so that's a really easy conversation, and we're trying to get in every school. We've made a lot of progress getting in school and being on a first-name basis with these counselors. So that's where the talent's at, and that's where the future of the IBW is going to be. Very good. 
Stacy Mixon joining us from Macon, Georgia today. Stacy serves as business manager and financial secretary for IBEW Local 1316. IBEW1316.com is her website. We'll continue with him, and later in the show, we're going to go to San Diego and check in with Smart Local 206. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans, and we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers, and we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just do this. Sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating we always appreciate those five star ratings so keep them coming by the way if you're looking for a holiday gift made in the usa well there's only one place in uh, my opinion that's the 2022 made in america holiday gift guide this is provided by the alliance for american manufacturing just go to americanmanufacturing.org and you can uh, check out you can download the complete report which shines a spotlight on more than 120 companies from all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. So do check that out. In fact, Mr. Scott Paul, who heads the Alliance for American Manufacturing, will be our guest on the show tomorrow to talk about that and much more. Right now, let's go back to Macon, Georgia. And joining us on line number one is Mr. Stacy Mixon. Stacy is the business manager and financial secretary for IBEW Local 1316. 
He is the ninth business manager at 1316, going back to 1942, 80 years, 80 years of service to the Macon, Georgia community. And I understand you're telling me that, uh, I, I guess, are, are you still in the same office from 80 years ago? Is that right, Stacy? <laughs> yeah, I'm still in the same office. Uh, this building was originally housed many of the building trades, uh, locals, but they all left town, and we're the only building trade left in Macon, and this is my office 80 years later. Now, are you trying to change that, bring it up to speed, or what? Where do we stand with that? <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to relocate. Uh, we've patched this thing up for 80 years, and I don't believe it can be patched together anymore. It's pretty much held together with duct tape. And we're uh, we're on a side street. It used to be in a residential neighborhood. This is a story probably with a lot of locals. And we need to get more centrally located in a place with a higher traffic volume so we can uh, we can get the advertising and the availability that we need. Good, good, good. I, I also see you want to grow to more than 500 members. You're currently at uh, 342, been doing a lot of organizing and all that. Um, a lot of that deals with, uh, you know, making sure, you, well, number one, you, did you hire a full-time organizer or what? What's the status on that? So this is an interesting story. We were actually in a point whenever I became an organizer where we couldn't afford my wages or benefits as an organizer, and the I.O. sponsored us. For a year, they basically paid for an organizer, uh, put one on staff, local union organizer, and uh, had one year to make enough members that we could afford our own full-time organizer. And proud to say that that happened. It was very stressful, but we were able to make it happen. And now we hired our own full-time organizer that we pay the wages and benefits for here at 1316. So your goal is 500 members. Is there a certain date you'd like to achieve that? Uh, You'd like tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be nice, uh, but growing pains are a real thing. You know, growing 50% in, uh, in just three years, it's, it hasn't been absolutely smooth, but uh, I think it would probably realistically maybe three, four years, maybe five years at the most. Good, 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 good. That's, that's good. It's moving in the right direction. Now, Georgia is a right-to-work state. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing – well, I'm seeing a lot of blue here, especially in the last election. I'm just wondering, what, what's the labor climate? What, what are people saying about unions in Georgia today? That's, uh, that's what I'd like to know. What's the answer to that? Well, it's a lot better, a lot more favorable than it's been in the past. We've probably had a 40, 50-year swamp. And uh, now with the pandemic, really, it's really helped with the labor. And we've had a strong uh, labor turnout here. Uh, I think in the state of Georgia – uh, we account the labor movement counts for four percent of the voting population, and we voted at uh, six six and a half percent. So we almost almost doubled above our punching weight. What do you attribute that to? That's a good question. I don't know if we really all. I think it just depends on the swing of going back between corporate success and uh, labor movement. The labor movement um, right now has a moment because people want more out of their job. They expect more. And they want to be uh, proud of what they do and respected for it. And I think the pendulum's starting to swing our way again. That's good. Well, you were probably, well, there were many unions involved in the Georgia runoff election. Uh, I would imagine 1316 was a part of that, right? Yeah. uh, We're not used to all the attention. We've got a lot of attention uh, from the IO and from the FLCIO everywhere. Uh, Our five IBWs all hosted uh, canvassing events. We have special guest speakers, and uh, I know in our local that we talked to about 6,000 people um, just on the runoff 
um, canvassing door to door. Well, one of the issues, too, is making sure you connect with the politicians that support unions. I mean, are is that I, I, it's, I know it's not a majority. Let's be honest here in the state of Georgia. But do we see a number of union friendly politicians that understand what you guys do? And uh, and the in the importance of the skilled trades, especially in growing Georgia. And I, if we can get into a, the Savannah area, I think that's a, a big area for growth, don't you think? It absolutely is. And, and moving away from the coast from Savannah, you know, they have that big uh, Hyundai plant, uh, electric vehicle Hyundai plant coming in Bryan County. And I think it might be one of the biggest EV charging uh, or EV manufacturing um, in in the whole U.S. But uh, the politicians, actually the mayor of Savannah, he's very union friendly. Uh, he speaks on the central labor councils. Atlanta has very friendly um, labor. The mayor is. The head of the city council there is very labor friendly. And we're mm-hmm. fortunate to have two charismatic senators um, that are still young that are very labor friendly. Uh, we're still kind of struggling with the House and the Senate, uh, state House and state Senate. But uh, on the U.S. scale, nationwide, I think we're doing pretty strong in yeah. city city to city that's good to hear well you know that there's going to be some changes at the top of the uh, electrical workers so lonnie stevenson's going to be stepping down at the beginning of the year any thoughts on that and maybe i'm sure you've had contact with national over the years as far as your you know growing your union and all that yeah absolutely uh we're gonna miss lonnie um i think i think pretty much around the table everybody Everybody loved Lonnie and was really happy with what he was doing. I think uh, some of us might have been surprised by it. But it looks like uh, Brother Kenny Cooper is going to take his spot, and he's a solid guy, and I think he's got the same mentality. And I really like the more progressive leadership that we've had. Um, I think we're headed in the right direction, and Lonnie Stevenson is going to be sorely missed. So as uh, far as 2023 is concerned, I mean, you're on the right track, brother. I mean, I like that membership growth there. In the past three years, 50% growth in membership. I know you got some growing pains. You went from 225 to 342. Next couple of years, you'd like to see that get up to uh, 500 members. Uh, going into, into uh, 2023, some changes in Congress and all that. The Senate is gonna, pretty much going to remain the same, but... You feel pretty good going into the new year? Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see if it's going to be gridlock, if it's going to be partisan politics, and how far people are going to run to the right or run to the left. I would like for us to moderate and get some business done, come to the center. I'm not sure if we're there there as a nation yet. I think this whole uh, Trumpism thing might have to run its course and its nationalism. Um, But I'm optimistic for the eventual future, but maybe not next year. Stacy, one more question here before we wrap it up. Don't you think people want Congress to get things done? Stop the bickering. Stop the name-calling, all that garbage that's going on. Get to work, make jobs happen, and make for a better America. Don't you think that that's the course they should take? I do think that's the course they should take, and I think the American people are finally starting to voice their opinion. There's some hopeful signs that we're finally starting to head that direction. People are getting sick of this, and it's ran its course. Um, but that's how you govern, and that's how you get things done. And with our economy slumping a little bit, it would really help to have some bipartisan legislature to get this economy back going. There you go. Stacy Mixon, business manager, financial secretary of IBEW Local 1316. Check them out, IBEW 
1316.com, based in Macon, Georgia, home of the Allman Brothers Band. I'm going to let you go back and listen to some music and grow that local. You take care, my brother. Stay in touch in the new year, okay? All right. It's been a pleasure. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to San Diego and check in with Dave Gauthier. Dave is business manager, financial secretary for Smart Local 206. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. You're listening to America's Workforce, and this upcoming segment is brought to you by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. Check them out online at oft-aft.org. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union iron workers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our iron workers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. And remember this. If you like a show, please share that show. We count all the downloads or sponsors like that. We want to grow the show, and the show has been growing, thanks to you. AWFpodcast.com, everything archived there. Let's go to uh, San Diego right now. And joining us on our live line is Dave Gauthier. And Dave is business manager and financial secretary treasurer of Smart Local 206. Website, real simple, smart 206 Dot org and they currently have about 1,000 active members in the San Diego area. Dave, uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? Gauthier, is that correct? Yes, sir. Right on the money. Thank, thanks for uh, having me on, Ed. It is an honor to be on with you, sir. Okay. Well, well we appreciate you coming to the table for us. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, Local 206, and uh, talk to me about yourself. You got involved in the trades, I see, in uh, 2001 the apprenticeship program take me back to that time and and going through that program and where you are today go ahead dave 
Uh, well, I came in uh, through a friend uh, going to work for a contractor as a truck driver. I was a driver for 12 years, had a Class A license, um, and so joined the local as a classified worker and uh, went to work driving uh, for that company. And after a few months, the guys told me, uh, hey, you need to get into the apprenticeship program and actually have a career and not just drive the truck. Uh, had two little ones at home, two babies at home. So um, did that, got into the apprenticeship program at the age of 34, so kind of a late bloomer there. Uh, turned out in 07. Uh, shortly after that, uh, there was an opening on executive board. Never intended on working at the union, never intended on being in office, a blue-collar family uh, for generations, and so uh, just intended to be a sheet metal worker and be involved in the union. And then one thing led to another. Uh, there was a vacancy moved into uh, the office in 2015, and uh, after five and a half years as the business agent, uh, then had the opportunity to become the business manager uh, two years ago last July. So I've uh, been the business manager now for two and a half years. Nice uh, little capsule there of what you did over the uh, the last 20 years. appreciate that. You know, during that time, it, there was some obviously rough road with the with the pandemic, which is still pretty much with us, not not to the extent, you know, with the help of the vaccines and all that. How did Smart 206 uh, deal with that over the years? We actually fared pretty well. Um, you know, the governor of California uh, on, on a March, March 2020, uh, you know, basically shut down the state of California on a Thursday. And the California State Building Trades immediately uh, worked with him and the, uh, the state labor commissioner and uh, basically opened up California construction um, the next day. And so the announcement was made on a Thursday, and there wasn't really anybody working on construction sites on Friday. And then Monday, everybody was back to work uh, because we were deemed essential. So we had representation at the Capitol uh, that uh, kept the jobs open. Um, there was obviously we went through issues, uh, uncharted territory for everybody. So trying to learn what the laws were, what uh, learn a little bit about medicine, and uh, and then try and get through all the the myths about uh, about what our members sometimes felt about the the pandemic and and um, you know the legal actions and things like that so uh, yeah. it was a an ever-growing situation that we were able to navigate I, I feel pretty well through our, our numbers uh, our hours dropped a little bit and then came up pretty strong came back pretty strong and we've actually done quite well through most of it well I'll tell you the, the industry that you work in and, and I know uh, the bulk of your workers are involved in in sheet metal HVAC architectural sheet metal things of that nature that, that seemed to have kind of like uh, moved up a number of notches primarily because of what went on with the pandemic. We're talking about air purification, making sure. And boy, I tell you, there's a lot of buildings that need to be retrofitted. So maybe you could speak to that. And uh, I'm sure that required some new training. Can you can you get into that for a little bit, Dave? Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, they're um, Smart International and uh, our Western States Conference here of, uh, of locals here on the West Coast uh, are really on the forefront of working on legislation for indoor air quality. Um, and fortunately, the, uh, you know, the sheet metal workers have been behind uh, uh, President Biden uh, since his early days in politics. And so uh, they carved out some money uh, through federal assistance for school districts and, and other entities to uh, 
you know, get some funding from the federal government on indoor air quality and, and try and uh, to uh, to help, uh, you know, teachers and, and students and anybody that works inside of a building to uh, get some cleaner, fresher, uh, uh, you know, certified air to breathe. And uh, so we're working on that with uh, school districts here in Southern California quite a bit. Uh, there is legislation in other states like Nevada and Arizona, um, and uh, California is working on that legislation now. So it's giving us the opportunity to uh, to get into some of those rooms where decisions are made on what uh, what kind of money they're going to uh, or funding they're going to apply for, and and we're letting them know that if you apply for this money, it's out there, and we can put our uh, our guys in those rooms and and get that uh, that get that cleaner air in and make it safer a safer environment. Dave, if you don't mind, can you be specific? You mentioned there's there's money out there. I'm just wondering how much money is out there, and is it enough money? I, I know there's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to uh, making sure that our air is safe to breathe, especially in schools. I mean, it's, it's really important. But what do we know about that part, Dave? Well, I know the, gov- the federal government has got, and I could be off of my numbers, um, I know it's in the in the lower billions um, that they're they're making available for school districts across the country. Um, the uh, California legislature is making money available for school districts, and then we stay actively in uh, in our local areas with uh, school boards and getting school bonds passed. And a lot of it has to do with HVAC retrofit and indoor air quality. So I think the money is is both local, uh, federal, and state um, uh, coming in. So I don't think the dollar amount can actually be counted uh, when you when you combine all of those things. But uh, I think it's really important to uh, to communicate to the local school boards that there's both federal and state money out there, along with the bond measures that they're already uh, proposing and or we're already involved in. And that's why it's important for unions to get involved in local politics, state politics and national politics. I'm just wondering. With, uh, with 206, maybe you can get into some detail. And I do know, I mean, California is a pretty union-friendly state, very, very union-friendly, so you're very fortunate. I'll tell you, we talk to a lot of smart locals around the country. It's not like that in various states, especially in the southern states, the right-to-work states. So um, what about your role with politics and making sure that, uh, you know, these jobs are going to happen for our union brothers and sisters? Yeah, I, I you know I, I don't really realize just how fortunate we are until I go to a conference or get a chance to speak to some of my brothers and sisters from across the country and hear some of the battles that they have to fight. Uh, it's uh, it's it's odd because um, those are kind of things that we take for granted here in California. So um, you know the the politics obviously become divisive, on, especially on the national level. Uh, they've always been that way, but it just seems to be at a fervor in the last uh, you know five years or so. So I, I you know. Uh, what we do is try to convey to our members, and Local 206 has done this uh, for many managers before me, and we continue on with this, and it goes out in emails and, and letters to our members that, you know, our politics are based solely around work hours. We don't get involved in any personal choice issues. We don't get involved in anything that doesn't have to do with getting our members out to work. And uh, if they've got a, a a particular issue with a candidate or legislation that is outside of work that they they just have to uh, you know stick to we understand that but we we put out the endorsements for candidates and for legislation that we feel will get us more work and so uh, you know I'll be honest with you when it came to the 2020 election we didn't even put the presidential race on our endorsement sheet that we sent out uh, because uh, we just didn't want uh, you know some of our members that didn't agree with uh, with uh, with going with President Biden 
to throw away our endorsement sheet that had a lot of very important local races on it. So mm-hmm. we left the presidential race off because we know California is going to go ahead and go, uh, you know, with the uh, Electoral College and and the Democrat. So uh, we left that off there and, and tried to focus on the local school board races and the local assembly members, the, the, the local issues that we know equate to local hours for our members and other building trades members. So that's what we focus on. I think most of our members understand that. Um, and we recently uh, had a very big ballot measure here in the city of San Diego. Uh, we had the largest project labor agreement ban of any city in the country. And that was passed by a very conservative city council back in 2012. We have worked very hard uh, as organized labor here in San Diego to flip that council. It is now 100% labor friendly. And uh, they were able to put this ballot measure uh, on the ballot for us. And then we went out there and worked real hard, boots on the ground, uh, invested a lot of money into this fight. And we flipped that ban. And now we've got an open uh, invitation to negotiate PLAs with the city of San Diego. And uh, to us, and really to anybody, I've talked to a lot of non-union companies, a lot of non-union guys, they appreciate the local hire uh, agreements that we have here in San Diego because it gives them the priority and the ability to go to work and earn their tax dollars back here at home instead of having to travel for work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's really our biggest, I would say, victory in politics is we've got, you know, billions of dollars of local hire agreements signed here in San Diego. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's a really important thing for the local economy to recycle those, those tax dollars within the community instead of watching them you know, go off uh, out of state. Well, congratulations on, on flipping that PLA ban. L- let me guess, did, did they come? You said that was back in 2012. You, you mentioned there was a conservative group. Did they say, oh, you can't, we can't cater to unions. It's too pricey. And, and obviously the voters bought into that. Was that pretty much the crux of the campaign back then? That was it, and there was a campaign, and at the time, they were demonizing pensions. There was uh, some, some uh, fiscal debacle going on here in the city of San Diego, and, uh, and so they said, you know what, let's make the working people the enemy of the voters. And uh, the, sometimes the voters don't realize they're voting against their own, uh, their own benefit. Uh, yeah. And so they, they convinced the voting public that uh, unions and pensions were bad. And uh, we are dealing with the, the aftermath of that, and and the financial burden of that uh, to this day. And so uh, we got to chip away at it little by little, but by taking this PLA ban and getting rid of it and opening up local hire back in the city of San Diego, it's it's literally going to be hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of work uh, for building trades members uh, going, going for decades into the future. That's awesome. That is so good. But those people that you talked about, they're still out there. I mean, it, we, uh, we in the state of Ohio, we uh, record the show Monday through Friday at Ironworkers Local 17, and we see a lot of changes in Ohio politics. And you got lawmakers that constantly, we're, we're not a right-to-work state here, but they constantly introduce it in the legislature because they want to appeal to their base and say, hey, you know what? I, I tried. I didn't get anywhere, but I tried. And Sadly, that's that seems to continue in so many areas, and it's it's unfortunate. But again, congratulations on that. That's really really good. Here, one more thing I want to get into, and a lot of people don't realize what goes on with the trades and the training that is self funded. That's so important. Many politicians don't even realize that. But I'm reading about the International Training Institute, seven and a half million dollars invested every year to provide nationwide standardized apprentice 
and journeyman training. Can, can you talk about that? I mean, that's so darn important because we're talking about training the workers for the future, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, I'll open it up even a little bit bigger than that. You know, NAB2, North American Building Trades Unions, are second only in training dollars spent to the United States military. And the military is obviously funded by taxpayers. The NAB2 training and our training with, uh, you know, you said uh, uh, International Training Institute, the ITI, which is our, you know, um, smart training, um, is all privately funded. Those are our dollars that we've decided to invest back into our training. You know, we tell a, a, a new apprentice when they start here, you know, we, we hope you're committed to this as a career, not just a job, because you're about to receive about a thirty-five to $40,000 education that you're not going to pay for. You're going to turn out of this program. You're going to become a journeyman. You're going to be able to be have a career and go forward. And your brothers and sisters and contractors are paying for that education. And uh, you know, when we 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 just had National Apprenticeship Week a few weeks ago, uh, and had a contingency of local and state officials come through and tour our our facility here and several other facilities in San Diego. And and we 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 hit on just that. This is privately funded. We're taking care of ourselves so that we can go out and build the buildings that you all work in. And uh, after explaining our trade and, and indoor air quality and everything else, and, and also our ability to make the you know buildings look good with architectural and kitchen work and things like that, um, you know, I, a lot of them it's usually they tell us you're the best kept secret, and then we just say you're not listening then because we're screaming from the mountaintops that you know yeah. we're the skilled and trained workforce that you need to use uh, in order to build these buildings. A skilled workforce making for a healthy environment. When you when you talk about the HVAC and all the all the work that you've done in that arena, all good stuff. All yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Dave, it's been a pleasure getting your uh, getting your take on all this here on America's Workforce. Dave Gauthier, who is the business manager, financial secretary, treasurer for Smart Local Two Hundred Six. That's Smart Two Hundred Six dot org. I'm going to wrap it up here. Any parting words here be, before we wrap it up here, Dave? Oh, I just I've gotten the opportunity to listen to a few of your interviews. I'm I'm really happy that you're doing this again. Honored to be on the program. Uh, I I think more people need to know our story a little bit, and I think we would have a lot more uh, a lot more fans, a lot more people understanding what it means to be a good union craftsman, and uh, you know it can be passed on generation to generation. And we need more help. So uh, anybody that's listening that is looking for a career, uh, you know, find your local building trades affiliates, find out uh, which trade you want to get into, or or have maybe a, a child get into and and uh do your homework because this is definitely uh the way you want to go well said my man keep in touch with us dave gothier again smart local 206 serves as business manager financial secretary please keep in touch with us down the road okay brother thanks Ed. i appreciate it sir and that'll be it for another edition of america's workforce tomorrow scott paul with the alliance for american manufacturing and the latest from the north coast labor federation until then all of you have a safe and wonderful day that concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.